Where are healthcare sector organizations going wrong in their security risk management efforts? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group, and today I'm speaking with former healthcare CIO David Finn, Executive VP of Strategic Innovation at privacy and security consulting firm Synergistic. David will be speaking to me about key findings from a new report issued by the firm that examined hundreds of security risk assessments of organizations across the healthcare sector, including hospitals, physician practices, accountable care organizations, and business associates to measure their efforts to conform to the National Institute of Standards and Technologies cybersecurity framework. So, David, in the big picture, when examining healthcare sector entities, are many of them still focused mostly on meeting HIPAA compliance and not necessarily reaching to meet the loftier benchmarks set out by the NIST cybersecurity framework? And why do you think that's the case? That is a great question, Marianne. And I think part of the problem is that the goals are, are set incorrectly. We were, we were a little bit surprised by some of these findings. But I think the concern is that organizations, particularly the leadership outside of IT or outside of security, gets a little more focused on getting a good report back from their assessor or, or from their internal security people. And, and they're saying, we're doing this good, and, and we get an A here, or we get the green stoplight instead of the yellow this year, when the concern really needs be focused on reducing risks. We, we don't need to worry about our scores. We need to make sure we're continually reducing our risks. And I think that's where a lot of organizations go wrong. They focus on the security or IT issues, but we have to look at this as an enterprise risk issue and reducing the overall risks for the business. So, David, when you look at the findings, where are healthcare sector entities falling short in terms of NIST CSF conformance? What are some of the critical areas that they're failing at? Part of the surprise was what we found there. We started using NIST CSF in 2017, and, and so this is the third year we've looked at this. We knew there was a major change in NIST CSF last year, and we, we did a number of assessments in 2018 against version 1.1, which included supply chain, as well as some other minor things. But supply chain well, risk management was really a whole separate category. So we knew there would be impact there. And, and as we expected, healthcare is not doing very well at supply chain risk management. But what we found is that was not only worse than we thought, but the sector as a whole has actually fallen back in a number of areas. And, and that's probably the most disconcerting part, uh, I think, to everyone, and particularly in light of what we then saw in 2020, because these were all assessments done in 2019, and the organizations were already falling back. But in 2020, we saw some major shifts in cybersecurity. We saw massive numbers of our healthcare workforce go home. We saw telehealth in, in volumes that no one could have even anticipated. And that increased the attack vector, the attack surface, because now we had people working remotely. We had people using their own machines that were not protected like a 
a device behind the hospital's firewall. We had patients coming in on, on iPhones and tablets to, to actually see their doctor, have a visit with their doctor. And yet there was no security and privacy being applied systematically and consistently across those interfaces. So to see the decline in 2019's numbers and then this rapid expansion of the attack surface and the pivot that the bad guys made because attacks on healthcare were actually stepped up so far in 2020, it's really kind of a, a scary situation for us to find ourselves in as we pass through uh, this COVID space. We know the workplace is changing for everyone, but if we move into 2021 without going back and making the changes we need to make, we're really setting a, a bad example and a very dangerous stage for us to walk onto. In terms of where healthcare sector entities went backwards, was it because of the new challenges that COVID brought up with, you know, the remote workforces, telehealth, et cetera, or was it a combination of those things happening and then them just slacking off in other areas as well? And any examples? These were 2019 examples. So COVID wasn't even a player during these assessments. Uh, and so we found a couple of things. The, the scores were down. And what we also found is organizations that, that just kept doing what they were doing. Maybe they had a good program in place. They were happy with their assessment in 2018. So they didn't change anything. But because the threat environment has changed so much and the attack surface and the criminal approaches to, to how they attack, that if you didn't do anything, you actually fell back. If you just kept doing the same thing you were doing, you fell back. That's going to be magnified in 2020 with COVID. And like I mentioned, that we are probably too focused on, on getting scores rather than reducing risk. So there's a, a couple things that we saw. Uh, a lot of times we saw organizations that may have been through a merger or acquisition, and because they acquired or joined an organization that had either better or worse security, that change dragged someone else's scores up, or usually more typically they dragged someone's scores down. And so when you're looking at assessments, particularly everyone is telling us we're going to see increased merger and acquisition work, it's going to be important going forward that you build security and privacy risks into your due diligence if you're going to be acquired or are acquiring someone. The other thing we discovered is a lot of organizations don't adjust their security, like I mentioned. But Things are changing, and they don't look at, at a lot of the, the, those changes and build them in. Part of a good risk assessment is to look at what's changed not only in your environment, but the threats that are coming at you, and more particularly in your business model, and adjusting security in that space. One of the other messages we, we got from, from this year's report is security is a journey. It's not a destination. You can't look at the assessment and prioritize the risk and say, okay, we're, we're going to do risks one, two, and three this year. You do them and you say you're done. You have to continually do this. And that really is in the preamble to the HIPAA security rule. 
We get very focused on that risk assessment, but the point of the HIPAA security rule was to build an ongoing risk management process. And so a lot of organizations that think the assessment is what the goal is are missing the whole point. You have to keep doing this on a regular basis. And last, kind of along those same lines, is a lot of organizations get this long list. They do their first real assessment. They bring in experts. And the list can be overwhelming. And so they decide they're going to try to fix everything all at once. And no one can do that. It's not realistic. That's why you have to look at those risks, sit down with your business, and figure out what the highest risks are and what those priorities should be. And then you start working down the list with your budgets, with your available resources, but most importantly, where the biggest risk is to your organization. But trying to fix everything all at once probably means nothing is going to get fixed. So, David, you mentioned that supply chain security issues sort of stood out as a weakness. Anything in particular that was quite notable in terms of failures to do something or controls to implement? Or what were some of the examples that kind of stood out? I think there's some additional opportunities because of what we found around supply chain with COVID-19. So for about seven years now, healthcare has been asked to monitor the the security of business associates and even subcontractors of those business associates. And we really don't do that very well. What we see is a lot of people who are doing almost nothing or they do it only after they've acquired a product or a service. So they may be bringing in bigger problems than they had to start with. And and so the supply chain risk assessment really needs to start before you make a final decision. Uh, We very rarely see security and and risk management as part of an RFP, and that really needs to be cooked into when when you're looking for a vendor, particularly if it's a vendor who's going to have access to your technology resources or, or more critically, your EPHI or other patient information. You want to, before you engage them, understand what they're doing and make sure they understand HIPAA and the requirements they have to fall under. And a lot of organizations are doing that only after the fact. Conversely, we, we find a few organizations who do a good job up front, but once the, the vendor is in the door, they never go back and reassess them. And again, this is an ongoing process. You can't do it once and say you're done. So those are really the the big issues, making sure you're looking at vendors across the board or if vendors change ownership. We've also noticed cases like that where they start with a vendor and they're actually doing stuff right and then that vendor changes ownership or sells themselves, but they don't go back and redo that risk assessment. I have an additional thought about supply chain that's a little bit out of the box because while we're looking at security, one of the things we saw in COVID is that the supply chains were broken. And if you're collecting information about your vendors and and are going to store that and track that, it might be useful to start understanding what these vendors are vending to you, whether it's a service or whether it's a product. For example, we had a lot of issues around PPE. We even had fraudulent personal protection equipment sales. 
and, and I won't rehash what we saw in the media and what some hospitals were buying and not getting or couldn't find. But if you've got a list of all these vendors and say you're only buying gowns from them and now you suddenly can't get masks or face shields, what if you had in your list the people you were buying face shields from but knew they also had gowns if, if a vendor had to shut down? So maybe an opportunity not only increase security around your third-party risk and your supply chain, but to understand your supply chain a little more deeply and be prepared. So if we do have another situation like we did with COVID, you have backups for your vendors. So David, I know that the study examined all kinds of healthcare sector entities. Is there one piece of advice that you would provide to the healthcare sector entities that are the most mature in terms of their security risk management practices? Is there one or two suggestions that you have for them to raise the bar even higher? Even the big organizations struggled this year, and and that's going to be an issue if, if that trickles down. There's obviously legislation pending that would allow uh, big organizations as they brought on affiliates or acquired physician practices, or even if they just affiliate with physician practices to share cybersecurity tools or services. And so that's something we need to look for and continue to press on from Washington. And there's dark laws and the kickback laws around that, but it is being addressed in D.C. And and that will be important because I think we're going to see a lot of small organizations in healthcare in particular, but across all sectors because of what COVID has done to the economy and how it shut down some of these small businesses because of the impacts that that are almost too much for them to overcome. So the big players in in all sectors are going to have to step up and help their partners, help their friends, in some cases work with competitors to improve the lot of all of us in the sector. And I think security is really a good opportunity to do that, share that wisdom, share that experience, share uh, information about what they're seeing and about the threats. Information sharing becomes a big deal. We can talk about the, the tools and the skills. That's always important to small organizations who may not have those resources. But even sharing the threat intel, and we've seen a lot of that activity with the National Health ISAC and with some of the ISAL's information sharing and analysis groups that have sprung up some specific to healthcare, some regional, but it's going to be important that everyone participate. One of the things I think we saw not only in healthcare, but maybe particularly in healthcare, is how interconnected we really are, uh, not only nationally, but globally. And so, as the saying goes, if you see something, you need to say something. And particularly if it's targeted at healthcare, if it's targeted to specific medical devices, for example, and we're seeing more and more of that, but that's going to become more critical, I believe. Thanks, David. I've been speaking to David Finn. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.